your business has big goals, you need more than just another vendor. You need a true partner who cares about your deal as much as you do. At PropLogix, we provide time-saving due diligence services from title searches to HOA research, lien searches, and more. Our team will go out of their way to ensure you're supported, and our reports are backed by our Six Sigma Quality Assurance Approach. PropLogix, getting you to the closing table with confidence. A new episode of Title Talks starts now. Many of you may know that PropLogix hosts webinars on a monthly basis, most of which are available for CE and CLE credit in Florida. If you don't know, you can visit our show notes for links to upcoming webinars as well as subscribe to our emails so you never miss one. Today's guest was featured in our most recent webinar all about land surveys. It also happened to be our most popular webinar to date. Akkad Baksh has been our go-to land survey expert, and he's the owner of First Choice Surveying. We had so many great questions from that webinar, we thought we'd invite Akkad back to answer them all here on the podcast. So listen up, there's a lot of good stuff in this one. I'm Lindsay Gordon, and this is Title Talks. I'm doing well. Well, it was really awesome to have you uh, back, you and Mandy, to do uh, our webinar uh, in the month of July. We had so many questions that we wanted to um, dedicate an entire episode of Title Talks to be able to answer those questions and ask you a few more questions uh, just to pick your brain because you know a lot and there's a lot of questions around surveys for title professionals. That's good. Well, that's what I'm here for. As many as I can answer, I'm happy to do. Perfect. So what I wanted to do first is give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in, in surveying, and uh, tell us a little bit about First Choice as well. Um, well, I've been in the industry now for going on, I want to say it's going to be 20 years this year. Um, I worked for a survey company for a couple years and had an opportunity to start my own. Uh, so in 2006, I decided to take the leap and go out there and see um, see about doing the surveying stuff myself. Uh, so we've been in business now for 17 years, first choice. Uh, we'll be 17 years this year, uh, November. Uh, really enjoy it, you know, uh, enjoy the people I work with, the people that are here. Um, just overall, always, you know, the real estate industry has always been interesting to me so I think this was a a good avenue for me to get into and, and like I said I, I really enjoy the people I work with um, yeah and the customers that we we interact with we have we have a lot of a lot of good communication so um, that, you know I kind of kind of got into this uh, and, and how I kind of got into it was by chance um, actually my uh, my wife's where she was working at her a friend of hers um, said hey my husband's working at this surveying company and they're hiring are you uh you know anybody and she's like yeah <laughs> at, back then it was you know we were uh that was my girlfriend so oh uh, before and i had i had just moved down yeah i just moved down maybe three months so i was looking for for work so you were new just, to florida that at that time out. yeah brand new to florida been here a couple of times and loved it uh sister moved down here and said hey i got an extra room i said well I lived in Oklahoma, so oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so you'd first moved, you just moved down to Florida. You got involved in surveying. Like what, I mean, obviously you're invested because you have this company and you've really grown a lot, right? Like what, yes. what, what do you like about the profession? What do you like about serving? Um, just knowing, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of, of like customer service um, and, and taking care of people. I like the idea that when somebody orders a survey, they know what they're getting on their property, what what's out there, um, and that they can really rely on that to make you know wise decisions about their property. Um, 
you know, I like, I like that it's in real estate. I like that I get to meet so many different people just being in this, you know, industry. We get, you know, from title companies to mortgage brokers and realtors and, and, and loan officers. There's, there's just so many people you can meet. So there, it's, it's a really great opportunity of meeting a lot of people. Um, and just, you know, that, that whole interaction, you know, I, I really enjoy customer service. I think it's kind of getting lost in this world nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, you know, push for us to try to really be exceptional in that customer service that we provide to our clients. So, um, and, and, and like I said, the people, you know, there's, there's a lot of great people that, that work for me, that work with mm-hmm. me, um, that I've worked with for, you know, a long time, um. You know, I've, I've even had a few clients that when I started this company 17 years ago that are still with me, um, which is awesome, you know. That is awesome. That kind of longevity speaks a lot. Uh, I think it's just really cool because it's, well, like, you know, surveying is like one of the oldest like in America professions yeah. yeah which is really cool and also it's 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 um, becoming more and more rare I think I think it's harder for people to find qualified surveyors I think it's harder you know um, it's it can be tough it's hot it's there's you know especially in Florida there's rain delays like it's it can be a, a tough like kind of field to be in right that it definitely can it definitely can um, you know, just speaking about the oldest profession, I don't know if a lot of people know, but like, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln was a surveyor. Yeah. Um, Lewis and Clark were surveyors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think people have a misconception that they were going out and just, you know, like discovering this thing, but they were really going out surveying the land, see what was out there. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool when you kind of look back at the history of, of surveying. Yeah, it's kind of like a, uh, like the fabric of, of who we are <laughs> and how we yes. like kind of map and explore and and uh, kind of like relate to, you know, what where we are and that sort of thing. Plus you're doing something that like is very, you can't really replace it in terms of like finding, you know, any issues on a house. Like this is like the part of you know obviously there's an appraisal but there's this is a part of like the the title process that like has to be done it's it's a very physical you know part of it and it's really important it is it is and like you had said with the uh it is kind of i i say a little bit of um you know of an industry that we are seeing a decrease of people get into it because because as you mentioned i mean you you're out especially some you know when you're outdoors uh Mm -hmm. the uh, field crews that you know, you're dealing with rain, you're dealing with the heat, and this uh, this month has been incredibly hot um, with this heat wave that's going around. Um, you know, luckily here we don't have to deal with snow, and when it gets in those cooler <laughs> months, every all the crews are like, oh man, this is when, this is why I got into surveying, this, this type of weather. Um, but yeah, it's it, it can be a, a tough, tough industry, especially when you're walking through, you know, woods and wetlands and things of that nature, so... I definitely give credit to to the uh, personnel that go outside and and deal with this stuff day to day. Um, it's it's definitely physically more it's it's more demanding physically than any other position in surveying. Yeah, yeah, the field crew work definitely. All right, I want to hop into the questions because we have quite a few. Um, yes. So I'm going to speak from the role of the title agent. Obviously, at PropLogics, we are we work with um, you, Akkad and we help coordinate surveys for um, our title agent customers. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of assume the role of the title agent and kind of speak for them. Um, so if I'm a title agent, what does a surveyor need from my company in terms of um, like, what do you need to know in order to do the survey? Um, so I would say the first thing we need is the address. <laughs> Um, but ultimately what we need, we need the address, we need the legal description. Um, and really, you know, that's really the two most important things. Uh, once we have that address and we have the legal description, we can confirm all the information that we find. Um, now there's some, uh, smaller items that are needed, like, you know, the certifications, who's, who's going to be listed on the survey, who are the buyer, the lender, title company, uh, underwriter, that type of information. Um, and then, you know, obviously a, a very big one is when they need the survey by. Um, a lot of times we get, well, when can you get it done? Uh, and we always, we always go back and say, well, when do you need it? Because uh, if you let us know when you need it, we can, re- we can work our schedule around it. Um, 
versus just saying, you know, just as soon as you can. And then we put it out for, say, 10 days. And they're like, I need it sooner than that. We're closing in a couple of days. Um, so that's really the information we need. As long as we have that address, the legal description, um, we can get everything going on the survey, get it moving as long as everything's right. And then, then we, the smaller items we can get along the way. But it is always nice to get everything right at the very beginning because then we can, you know, have everything knocked out. We send nice, you know, our order confirmation, which confirms names and addresses and, and any changes that might need to be made. So that, that is always good to have it. But again, like I said, address, legal description. Is it important to have a title commitment? Because I know that was one of the questions that was asked in our webinar. Um, and not for us. Uh, for us to do the survey, we do not need a title commitment. Um, it doesn't hurt. I mean, nothing ever hurts. Additional information never hurts. Yeah. Um, but we don't need it to complete the survey unless there's something going on. Um, really, on in subdivisions, it, you know, standard type of uh, neighborhoods, uh, you don't. It's really more, you kind of get into the rural areas and you might find uh, some more beneficial information in the title commitment. Uh, that definitely might help with maybe a legal discrepancy or or something that may have changed. And, and we do tend to see that. Uh, and the last thing, uh, what about like um, communicating things in terms of access, you know, like a, like it's a subdivision that has a gate or, or that sort of thing. I'm, and are those things that I need to be thinking about and making sure I'm getting from the seller to ensure that your crews have access? Yes, absolutely. The uh, as long you know, having access doesn't delay your the survey. Uh, if we get out to a property, we will wait for a little bit to try to get in, and we'll make calls and we'll do what we can. Um, but we won't, you know, we won't wait too long because there's other jobs that got to get done. Um, but yeah, if we, you know, having the access, um, making sure that you know when we're heading out there that pets are put away, uh, the gates to a fence are unlocked. Um, now, we don't go on the inside of a property. We, we never uh, need to do that, but we do need access all the way around the property, uh, especially in gated communities where there's a guard letting them know, hey, I, I may have a survey company or I will have this survey company coming in a few days. Um, we you know, put their name on the list so we can have access. Um, now, as surveyors, we have the right to, to go where we need to go to get a survey done, but it definitely makes it a lot easier if we have all that information in advance. Yeah, and if everybody knows, <laughs> give <Yeah>. heads up. <laughs> yes, yeah, and definitely one of the things is, is letting people know, especially if it's a rental property. A lot of times we get out there and the person says, what do you mean? We, what? Why are you guys doing a survey? And, you know, we try not to, we don't know why they're doing a survey. Maybe they're refinancing, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but then you get where they're like, you know, they'll kick us off the property. Um, they get off the property where we don't need a survey. No one told me about this. Um, we, I mean, we've had... I mean, I had one guy, it was crazy, his dog, he, he sent his dog to attack my field crew. Um, and the dog ended up biting him. And oh he, my gosh. He, st he stayed and called the cops. And I was like, look, man, go to the doctor. Go. He's like, I'm not leaving. He was like, it's principal now. I'm finishing this survey. <laughs> and he waited for the cops to get there and he finished the survey and then he left. And I was like, and then he went to the doctor. <laughs> then he went to the doctor, but he wasn't going before. He was like, no, he was like, it's principal now. I'm, I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, so. that's crazy. So, um, talking about um, a survey and like how long it's good for or valid for, like how would I as a title agent know how often I should get a new one or update the existing one? I say to always get one. If you're buying and selling a property, I always say to get a new one. Um, you know, like I said, it, maybe you didn't do anything to your property, but a neighboring person could have. Um, as surveys don't expire, so there, there's not a time frame to say uh, it's no longer valid. Um, it's really up to the whoever's looking at it on whether they would accept it or not. Now, like I said, I, I personally recommend if I'm spending a couple hundred thousand, three, four. Hundred thousand, especially nowadays with the prices of homes in Florida, um, you know, to spend a you know three four hundred dollars on a survey to to protect that investment versus just taking somebody's word, I, I you know I would do it all the time. 
you know, like I said, the, the biggest thing that I've always seen is, is when a neighbor does something um, to a property, they put up a fence. Uh, and then somebody gets that survey and they go, hey, like, um, you know, there's a fence on this, but you guys don't show it on my survey. Well, we didn't do the survey for you, and that may have been something done recently. Or a lot of what we get is, how come there's no flags on my property corner? Um, well, we nobody came back out to do a survey. You just got a copy from somebody. So, you know, e even on updates or things like that, if if you're not, if, you, if you're just changing certifications on it, um, you know, we're not going to go back out and, okay, well, let's reflag the corners because uh, there's cost to that. So it, it, it's just always a good idea. You know where your corners are. You know where everything is. You know your survey is new. Uh, and it's it's just always better. But like I said, they, they don't technically ever expire. They, in the eyes of the law, they, they expire when a new survey is done. So that new survey overrides that old survey. Yeah. But if you think about it, they're technically out of date as soon as an improvement is done, whether it's something, right? Like, or technically yes. out of, you know, no longer accurate. If you've made an improvement or if your neighbors made an improvement that potentially encroaches on yours. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's completely true. Because now, you know, the liability is there. Um, and you're making changes and people don't know what's going on, so... Yeah, I would say it's it's not well. It wouldn't be an accurate survey. It'd still be a, it still wouldn't expire, but it just wouldn't be accurate. Mm -hmm. And so you had said something about recertifying it, or yeah. So what uh, is so that like, exactly? So that would be in the case where, say, um, you had a, a a new buyer, and. Um, Maybe we did a survey for somebody else and say that transaction didn't close. Um, we can recertify it to the new person um, instead of having to go out and delay maybe a closing. We can, hey, we did that survey already. We just did it recently. Uh, our time frame is anything within a, a few months, we'll recertify it. Uh, anything longer than that, we want to go back out to the property and, and make sure nothing's changed. Um, before we just recertify it. Or again, we're just, the only other option is saying, okay, we'll, we'll update the names, but we're not changing any of the dates or anything of that information. We did this in that time period. Yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, you, you have to protect yourself too. Like you're doing this work, you're certifying that it's accurate. You have to do, you know, so it's not, it's not as easy as just saying like, okay, sure, I'll just write somebody else's name on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you're professionals and, you know, you guys are also subject to regulations and, and laws and that sort of thing. So it's like it's your reputation and, and all kinds of things like that in terms of just, you know, being able to recertify something um, and like not not checking and making sure that that it is, in fact, still accurate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Fence moved or a, a shed was taken down or who knows. Yeah, who knows how, how soon a, a neighbor might have planned something or done, you know, some sort of improvement. It's in that, you know, a couple months is probably reasonable to assume that, you know, you'll you'll take on that liability to saying, like, yeah, you know, we'll recertify this. But it, after too long, it's like you just you have no idea necessarily what could have happened. I know during the webinar you were mentioning some things that would be considered improvements. Like what? Uh, for us in surveying, an improvement is, is basically anything you can't pick up by hand and move, other than landscaping. Um, so fences, sheds, uh, a, a brick walkway, a path would be, but not pavers that are kind of spaced out individually and just paced through there, because you could pick those up and remove them. Um, so landscaping, like when I say landscaping, like I know some people have, like, I don't know if you've seen the kind of curbing that they can make with landscaping. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's like cement or, or something that they use to kind of form that. Like we wouldn't uh, locate something like that because granted it's not something you can't pick up by hand and, and move, but again, it's it's landscaping. We consider that landscaping. Mm -hmm. um, above ground pools. Um, I mean, if there's a dog shit out there, we'll locate it. Um, a shed. You know, just, yeah, because it's... Um, you know, it's, it's more of a permanent structure. So it's really those permanent type of structures that we want to locate. Because um, that's not something that somebody's going to pick up one day and you go out there and go, hey, 
Where's my fence? It was here on the survey before. Uh, and now it's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I know we've talked about um, the different kinds of surveys and um, and we don't really have time to go into them. There's definitely resources that we can share in the show notes. Um, but we wanted to talk just a little bit about the Alta survey. Explain how that's different. It's just kind of like quite a quite a different like beast in terms of surveys. It is. Alter surveys, you're typically going to see it more among commercial things, uh, commercial buildings. Um, you, you know, I don't say typically, 90, I would say 99% of the time on a commercial property, it's going to be an Alta. Um, and it's, I'd like to say it's, it's a boundary survey, like a residential survey uh, on steroids. You know, it's, it's a lot more detailed. We're, we're locating stuff across the street. Um, we're locating the closest intersections to the property. Um, you know, we're trying, we're trying to see if there's any evidence of, of some construction that's, that's happened recently on the property. Um, you're, you're doing a more in-depth title commitment. And this is when we would need a title commitment. Anytime you do an Alta, we would actually need a title commitment because we have to do it in depth. We're pulling every single document in there. We're reading through every single uh, thing to make sure it it does or does not affect the property. Um, and so a title commitment is completely needed on that point. And then there's what they call a Schedule A, where they can be asking for additional stuff, underground utilities. Um, they want us to get elevations. They want us the height of the building itself, not just the, the floor of the building. They want the, to see how tall the building is. Um, if there's any, you know, like in a warehouse where there's part where there's lines between different buildings, uh, even though it's one big building, they, they want to see where those breaks are, where, where does this separate from, you know, suite A and suite B here, where's the separation for that? Um, so it, it's just really, really a lot more intense, a lot more information. Um, we're locating a lot more things, uh. You know, like I said, it's a, it's a survey on steroids. It's, it's just everything that you could imagine that you need done on a property is what we typically do with an Alta. Um, so um, one of the questions we had received was, would you disclose geographical features like a ditch or a slope? Um, or is that just something that like would show up on a different kind of survey, like a topographical? Yeah, not on an Alta survey, uh, unless it was requested. Now, you can request that. Um, so like I said, on that Schedule A, there's about 14, 15 plus items that you can check mark off. And I want this on my survey. I want this. I want this. Uh, so it could be if, if that's requested. Um, and, and it's still an Alta survey. But then that also kind of becomes a topographical survey uh, where we're getting elevations uh, of the land or things like that. But again, we can always just kind of show it if they say, I, I don't want elevations, but I do want you to show where this ditch would be on this property. Um, and we could show that typically we kind of do because ditches usually have culverts in them, uh, that allow the water to flow through. So part of the infrastructure. Yeah. So, um, so when you see culverts, that's usually a sign that there's a ditch, but if somebody said, Hey, I want you to kind of define where the top of that ditch is and where the bottom of it is, um, we would be able to do that and show that as well on the survey. Um, again, it's a T 2d view. So you're looking down over it, it's hard to kind of say, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to show different elevations on that view, but it, it can it can be done where we're just showing, okay, this is a ditch. This is, um, you know, a, a hill type of area. We, we, we can do that. It's not typical, but we can. Yeah, okay. Uh, sorry if you can hear background noise there doing my lawn right now which I didn't realize when we scheduled this interview um so someone had asked so I know obviously the the boundary survey is kind of more of like the stereotypical survey um what's the difference between a meets and bounds and a fractional survey because I think someone thought they were the same thing yeah so those um so a meets and bounds is to me, like uh, to look at it as more of like a word problem. Um, on a platted subdivision, the plat will say this lot is 100 feet by 200 feet. 
Uh, well, a meets and bounds is more of a of describing that same property in a word format. Um, so it's like when you were younger in school, they would say, what's two plus two? Uh, and there would be your answer. And then they would also do it in uh, a paragraph, like Johnny has two apples and he, he buys two more apples. How many apples does he now have? Uh, that's essentially what a meets and bounds is. You know, instead of it just going right to the point of what it is, it says, this is what we're gonna do. This, this is going to describe this property in a worded form versus just that paper form that you're looking at. Um, and then a fractional legal description. So a meets and bounds starts you from point A and it tells you exactly what to do to get to point B, which point B, point A, we like to call your point of commencement. That's your starting point where you start. And then your point of beginning is where it actually describes the property. Now that's the point of beginning for the property itself. So that meets and bounds will say start at point A, travel a thousand feet to point B, your point of beginning, and now we can start surveying the property. Now, you know, your property is 100 feet south and 200 feet west and 100 feet north and back 200 feet east. Um, so that's how meets and bounds would describe it. In that case, it would be something, like you said, that isn't like platted. It's like Correct. generally a more rural or something like that. Yeah, typically okay. more rural areas. Um, you'll see it in areas that aren't as rural uh, just because, um, you know, Florida is an old state. Uh, it's been around for a long time. So um, before people were platting out, subdivisions they would write out their legal description for their property um so they they could have written a bunch of them out uh and it could also be where it's it's cheaper to just write a legal description if i owned 100 acres and i go i'm gonna break this off into one acre pieces of land and i'm gonna you know sell it off as say a subdivision but i don't want to record a plat that's more costly i'm gonna write a legal description for each one of those properties um, so that, that may be a reason why you'd see it in an area that's not as rural, mm -hmm. uh, but typically, you know, we are seeing them in more rural areas. Yeah. And so and what's a fractional? How does that differ? So, so a fractional is kind of the same thing. Um, surveyors don't like fractionals. Um, typically they're written by somebody else. And, and the reason why surveyors don't like fractionals is because it, it's not very accurate. It doesn't say start at this point and you know travel this distance to this property it says this section which in surveying is in florida at least is typically a square mile so it's mile by mile roughly mm -hmm. um you know when they they did all this years ago it wasn't you know the accuracy wasn't as accurate as it's today so 5280 feet which is a mile in length um may not have necessarily be uh, 5,280 feet. It could be 5,281 feet or 5,279 feet just because, you know, like I said, that the technology wasn't the same. Um, so what a fractional does, it breaks down this legal description by, by basically making a box. So you have a box, square mile, and it says it's a quarter of this section. So what it wants you to do, it says, um, like it might say, it's the northeast quarter of section 10. Well, we have that square mile box and, and we're cutting it. We're, we're basically cutting this box in fours or in quarters. So it's a quarter, so we're gonna cut it in four. So now we know we're in the northeast quarter of that section. And then it may say uh, we're in the southeast quarter of the northeast quarter. So we know we're in that northeast quarter and now we're gonna cut that quarter again into quarters. Um, so. Uh, it's telling you eventually how to get to the property by making it smaller and smaller and smaller. It's like taking a whole number and then going, okay, half of that. And then, okay, take that half and now half of that. You're okay, and now half of that. In, yeah, in on yeah, it's just kind of slowly getting you down to where the property is. Um, but it doesn't really give you much more information than that. Sometimes it might say, you know, the property is 100 by 400. Uh, a lot of times it just says it's a quarter of a quarter of a half of a quarter of the west half. And then you go, okay, well, now we've figured out where we're at, but we don't know the size of the property. Uh, we don't know the exact size because, as I mentioned, no mile is exactly a mile here in Florida. It could be off a little bit. 
Uh, it could be off a of foot. And if you're off a of foot and you keep going half, 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 eventually um, your distance aren't going to equal out. Um, if you break that down, you know, eventually to where you should have been maybe 330 feet. Um, it could be 328.9 feet now because that section was just a little bit shorter or maybe it was a little bit longer. So instead of it being 330 feet, it's, it's 331 feet. Mm. Um, so that fractional, again, you know, it's, it's just getting it to where you're at and then for us to figure out the other information. That's why it's, it's so much more expensive for us to do a fractional type of job because we have to go out and find these, uh, what they call CCRs, they're certified corner records where surveyors all agree, hey, this is a good starting point. We all agree this is a point, we all like this point. Uh, and the distance from this one to the next one is a mile. And the distance from that one to the other one is a mile, so they're miles apart. So as surveyors, we have to go out and locate those to know what our true distance of that section is mm -hmm. to be able to make your, to understand the size of that property. Um, and we get a lot of feedback where people go, hey, my property is only half an acre. Like, why is it costing this much? Well, it's, yeah, it's only half an acre, but for us to get to that half acre, it takes us half a day versus an hour. Is it because that's the way the legal description was written? Yes. Or Okay. And, and it's and like I said, it's typically written by attorneys. Uh, somebody that was they're they're just trying to get to that property as quick as possible. I explaining it to you here. It's this this this. Here's your property. Can um, you get a legal description rewritten? This is a dumb yeah. question, probably. You can. So, but you have to yeah. pay for that as the owner and have it yeah. recorded. Um, well, like we we write uh, rewrite legals a lot, uh, especially in uh, the Duval County. Um, the legal descriptions there some of those are, are really tough mm -hmm. um so we'll rewrite it to make it make more sense and, and that and all we have to do to rewrite a legal description is make sure it matches that previous property so this used to be the legal description it was a fractional um our legal description that we rewrite for this property needs to say the exact, it needs to describe the exact property and the exact location. And as long as it does, they can re-record that legal description. And I think it's just a matter of, of um, a title agent, you know, re-recording that, that deed and saying, mm -hmm. you know, this is a, a new warranty deed with the legal description. It was known as this, and now this is the new legal description. So you can take something that maybe was a fractional and turn it into meets and bounds? Or? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's that something that is helpful. I mean, especially if you're the buyer or, you know, and you're getting the survey done, like if, if you're going to eventually sell that property and you're maybe going to pay for the survey later on, you know, having something like that where it's like you can transfer it from something that's going to cost more maybe up front, but then, you know, in, in, you know, down the line, it'll make it easier to do a survey at that property. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely would make it easier. Meets and bounds. We, if it can't be platted, we want to meet some bounds because, you know, as I said, they, the meets and bounds to me, honestly, is I personally think it's even a, a easier than a, a platted lot block because it tells you exactly what it wants to do. There, mm -hmm. There's no questions. It's like I want you to start here. I want you to go here. I want you to go. It's like a treasure here. map or like a. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. Just follow the like, directions. Yeah, know? yeah. Cool. <laughs> So I wanted to talk about, and especially in Florida, and honestly, a lot of places, there's been flooding in Vermont. There's been, you know, like, like yeah. weather is crazy. Um, and so with elevation certificates, how do you know whether or not one's required? And then also how long is it good for? Um, so they, you would know if it's required from your lender. <laughs> If you're buying the property because they're going to tell you, if, you need these. They're going to say, yeah, this property, you know, because they're taking out, they're giving you a loan. So they want to protect their investment. Um, so they would tell you if it's in a flood zone or if you're required to get flood insurance by getting that elevation certificate. Um, also, FEMA um, has created flood maps for, you know, basically the entire United States um, that shows areas that are or more likely to prompt or more likely prone to flooding. Mm -hmm. So a property 
may not have ever flooded. And you could have lived there 30, 40 years and be like, I, I've lived here forever and this property is never flooded. They base it on, does it have a percentage of a chance to flood within 100 years? Um, so they track data, they take information, they go, yeah, this, this stands a higher chance of flooding, so we're gonna require you to do an elevation certificate or get one uh, for your flood purposes. Um, now, if you're not in a flood zone, you can still get um, flood insurance if you wanted. You don't need an elevation certificate. You would just call your insurance company and say, hey, I want to get flood insurance. Um, and they go, okay, it's a minimal amount of this and this is how much it costs. Um, as far as how long they're good for, again, it, it's, it's really up to the person that's using it. Uh, they do have expiration dates on them. Flood uh, elevation certificates do have an expiration date. Um, but they're technically not expired until the new one comes out. So, like the new they, FEMA. Yeah, the new FEMA elevation certificate form. Um, they just released a new one. Uh, I want to say a couple months, or not even maybe a couple weeks ago. And before that, the one that they had showed expired. But it was it's still a good one because. They didn't release their newest one. So even though they have an expiration date on them, it's still good until uh, the new ones have actually been issued and are ready to use. But that doesn't mean that somebody won't accept an older one just because it has that older date. Um, again, it's, it's really just up to that, that person that's looking on it on whether they're willing to accept it or not. Mm -hmm. So like with a... A survey obviously improvements and things can happen but it's really just about like what the federal kind of guidelines are in terms of where they say certain flood zones are and like what kind of risk level with the, like the, the different flood zones and that sort of thing yeah yeah it's really you know FEMA and the municipalities in the area uh, they work together to determine that and if they say it's in a flood zone it's in the flood zone um, but that doesn't mean you can't get out of that flood zone. Uh, there's, there's different forms you can fill out. Uh, one of them is called a letter of map revision. Uh, depending on how high you are above maybe that base flood elevation. I, I, I'll tell you this, if, if they say that you know, for that area the base flood elevation is 10 feet, um, and all this stuff is based off of um, sea level, so sea level being at zero, and then working your way up. Obviously the higher up on the land, the higher it goes. Um, but lakes and stuff like that do do play a factor as well. Uh, you know, if you live near a lake, that could cause flooding. Um, but just for simple numbers, say your property that for that area they go the the base flood elevation the, is ten feet. So that means anything below ten feet in elevation out here stands a greater chance of flooding than anything above that. Uh, so the higher you are above that number, your property, your your finished floor of your property could stand a chance that you could be removed out of um, that flood zone by filing those documents. It's it's a task, uh, though. It's it's not easy. They, they ask for a lot of information, uh, and it takes a long time. So for you guys, what are you doing that's different when you're doing elevation for a property? Are you just checking the maps? Or are you are you actually doing some, like, with, with surveying and you're measuring distances and that sort of thing? Uh, when it when it's a, for um, a, uh, elevation certificate, what are you doing? So, what um, what's established here in Florida are called uh, benchmarks or benchmarks. Uh, a benchmark is is something similar to like a a CCR, where I mentioned earlier that certified corner record, where a group of people have agreed that this is a good elevation. Um, so, a benchmark is that same thing. It, it's a marker that says here at this point uh, this elevation is so and so feet uh, and I actually that you mentioned one I I have uh, one of the employees or one of the people that work for me whenever they go somewhere they uh, come back and bring me a a benchmark from that area so I don't know if you could see this yeah yeah so this is a benchmark of uh, this one is Red Deer Canyon so it says on here the elevation of this one is 8,155 feet above sea level. Where do you get those? 
So, well, I don't know where he gets these. I don't know where he finds them. I was like, he's not pulling them off the ground or anything. No. Okay. <laughs> no, no, he's not. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, I, he finds them, uh, which is cool. So, I've gotten a few of those. Um, I have another one here that's, this one is Logan Pass, an elevation of 6,000 <gasps> feet been above there. sea level. That's yeah. at Lakeshore National Park. Oh, how cool. Yeah, oh, so. That's, that's so fun. Yeah, so these will actually be... Do you surveyors do when they're on vacation? <laughs> he, he, he does. He sends me, like, he'll send me a, co, a koozie saying, hey, I found this. I'm a surveyor. I found this marker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so it's it's stuff like that that's actually in the, you know, set in the ground. And it says here at this point, mm-hmm. this is what the elevation is. So we actually will go to that point. We go, okay, this elevation right here is, is 10 feet. We start there. And there's a few different ways to get to the property. One of the ways is called a three wire, where I'm I'm holding a pole out. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody that they're holding a pole, and then you see somebody down the way that's kind of looking through this piece of equipment. Um, that's that's called a total station. We like to call it a gun, um, uh, but they're looking through it and they're getting that information, and then they're basically leapfrogging each other. So that person that's sitting there holding that rod. Will get leapfrogged by the person with the equipment while they're working their way to the property, um, and that's that's what that's that's kind of the older way of doing it. Now with GPS, we're able to go to that that point, uh, set up our GPS, make sure we have a clear signal, and it, it should match that elevation. Mm-hmm. It should say if if it says it's ten feet and we go on there and our GPS says it's ten feet, we know we're good. Now if our GPS says it's eleven feet or nine feet or something different. We know we got some differences, but then from that point, we're able to confirm it. And then we go right to the property and we can start setting up the information we need to measure the height of it. So then we could take that same GPS and go, okay, this was at 10 feet. We walked, you know, we came to the property and now your property is showing that it's 10.75 feet. Um, So we do have to work our way back to the property from one of those kind of benchmarks, those monuments. Um, And like I said, there's, traditional ways of doing it and then the the newer ways are utilizing gps and technology mm-hmm. with that will your so will your lender tell you you need a new uh, elevation certificate or is it something where if you're recommending a new survey you should and you need an elevation certificate you should get a new one i would say so i mean yeah. um and again it, you know i i personally think it should always be done every time a, you know i'm buying you should do one um but I think it's it's the same thing. If that lender goes, no, we'll accept that old elevation certificate or we'll accept that old survey, then um, they'll accept it. I like again, I personally wouldn't. I, I'd rather just you know spend the extra little cost just to make sure I know what I have is correct because maybe that old survey was wrong. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, is Florida sinking at all? Like, I mean, obviously the sea levels are are kind of are rising, not kind of, they're rising. But um, like, are are we? Do you see ever that there's like, with elevation certificates, do you ever discover like, hey, there's maybe something going on? I mean, I know sinkholes are a big thing in Florida. I'm just wondering if that like, do you see that ever? Or like, where it's like, oh wow, this is lower, you know, than it had been. Uh, I never really know. Nothing significant yeah. enough to where um, you would see. Um, any type of changes. I, I haven't seen anything. I mean, it may be off a little bit, 10th or mm-hmm. something like that, but that that's that's not enough to get out there and you're like, oh my God, Warrant this is a foot. concern. Yeah, like, I don't know if you should buy this property. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the sea level because the other day we were looking at a, a survey and the people were like, no, we own all this land. And we're like, nothing, nothing says you own it. Um, it's right there in Longboat Key. It kind of extended out. Um, and when we looked at the plat, the plat showed the water right up to the property. Uh, so we pulled up a picture from 1940 that they had, and it, it showed it right up to the property. But now there's probably another 30 feet of land that's there, all of us, that's there. Wow. Um, I wonder if it's, because also they do a lot of um, beach restoration. That happens pretty frequently, I know. I don't, I mean, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. We were like, wait, what? This is weird. Yeah. Because um, that's what they kept saying. No, this this has been our property. We're like, it doesn't show it's your property. How does that work? I'm curious. You know, I know growing up, I grew up um, near Anna Maria Island, which is really close to mm-hmm. Longboat Key. And um, 
and I know that there's like certain like setback rules where it's basically like you can only own up to a certain amount away from the water, right? Like, yeah. So is that something where you guys, when you do surveys of beachfront properties, it's kind of like, like, because you don't you have s- markers, right? Because there is the beach. Uh, there, there should be. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if that legal description, you know, again, describes that property or it's platted and it says it's, um, you know, 100 feet by 200 feet, that's, you know, that's the length of the property. Um, they may have riparian rights where they're allowed to... Uh, access, you know, access, maybe put a dock or something out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically when you get out there, you, you get to where, you're, where there's a point where it's sovereign land, it's it's owned by the government. Um, and then they, they, they have their restrictions. They may have like, um, especially out in that area, they have coastal construction lines. So they say this is, this is as far as you can build. You can't build past this line. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what you'll typically see on on those areas. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about um, legal descriptions. Like, how do you know? I know, um, obviously, super important, but how do you know if it's correct? Um, how do we know the legal description is correct? Because the, the evidence out in the field would support it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we go out to a property and we find iron rods or we find, you know, concrete monuments, uh, fences, hedges, um, things of that nature that kind of, you know, say, hey, this is my property. Um, it would support that legal description. So if we go out there and we go, okay, this property is supposed to be 100, 100 feet by 200 feet, and we start measuring out there and we go, wait, this is actually, we're at 110 feet and 250 feet. Now, either the legal description is wrong mm-hmm. or the property itself is wrong. Um, but they, they should match. So that evidence that we find out in the field would match the evidence we find with that legal description. They should match. And we know that that legal description is accurate. Um, in the case that there are things that are like mentioned in the legal description, I remember a while ago when you were doing a webinar, you were talking about like it might have mentioned um, like a marker being like a tree <laughs> and it is many yeah. years old. And it's like, that's not there anymore or that sort of thing. Like, do you find... Do you find incorrect information in legal descriptions often, or yeah? Yeah, we do. It's not too often, but we do. Um, There, a lot of times, what we find is Scrivener errors, where somebody maybe they meant to write twenty-five and they wrote thirty-five. Transposing Um, numbers, or yeah, or yeah, yeah, things going backwards. So then we get it there. That's that's when we start going. Wait, this property says it's supposed to be thirty-five feet, but everything we're finding says twenty-five feet. Um, so that's when we're diving more into it. We're, we're trying to see if maybe some right-of-way got taken from the property or or something of that nature. Then, with, then we start reaching out for that title commitment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because sometimes that may else. have some information. Yeah, that yeah. could have something in there that says what's going on. So surveyors are licensed state to state. Um, are there differences? Like I know you, you operate in Florida. Are there differences in different states and like, or are there differences like from like one area of Florida to another? Are they pretty? Well, Florida is the same. Um, and a, a lot of the 13 original colonies, colonies are all the same as far as their, how surveying was done. Mm-hmm. Um, their requirements, each, each state's going to have their different requirements. Uh, there is a national test that you take. Um, that's for overall, and then you take a state, you know, a couple of state tests. Um, so they could have different requirements, uh, just depending. I, I, I wouldn't really be able to tell you what the different requirements are, but you can be licensed in multiple states. A lot of surveyors do end up doing that, especially if they're working for uh, maybe more of a, a nationwide firm or something like that, engineering type of thing. Uh, they, they may be licensed in every state. Um, you know, I heard there was this one licensed surveyor that's licensed in all 50 states and basically every year he spends all year keeping up his licenses because he has to do CEUs in each state and he has to does this so he's basically doing that the whole time um but yeah so it's hard for me to say what the differences would be because I'm not sure um but I'm sure there's there's a lot of similarities there might be small things here and there most important being that when you're working with someone you're working with a, a firm that has licensed surveyors right yeah yeah. they're gonna know how to how to perform surveys in the state that you're in 
Yep. Yeah, they should. Um, I mean, we do come across sometimes where, you know, sometimes you come across some odd properties. Um, we had yeah. that the other day. It was it was just a weird property, and we're we're still actually working on it, trying to figure it out. Uh, he, you know, one of the surveyors on staff here was, man, he's like, I've, I've never encountered anything like this before, and I've been doing this for 30-something years. Uh, I've been in this industry 20-something years. I'm like, I've never seen it before either in my life either. I, I actually don't even know what they're saying right now. It was a couple of words. I had to Google it. <laughs> I was like, what are they talking about? Never heard this before. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall... The, as using a professional surveyor, uh, you obviously want to do that. They're going to sign and seal and say, hey, this is accurate survey, um, you know, to the best of their knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it sounds like there's a good deal of detective work involved a lot of times. Like some, I'm sure th some things are straightforward and everything works out, you know, everything adds up or, th or that sort of thing. But it seems like that's kind of a fun part of it that you're kind of figuring things out a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, if, What's the missing piece here? <laughs> there is. Uh, we're actually working on one right now. That's a, a difficult one. They, we contacted the prior surveyor. We contacted the state. Uh, we contacted the city. I mean, because it's, it's out in the water and it's a mess. And like the legal description just doesn't work. Whoever did it. And unfortunately, it was done like 30 years ago. Um, so it, it's trying to figure that one out has been been tough <laughs> yeah but yeah. we'll get it we'll figure it out so it is it's you are doing some detective work because you're calling dot or you're calling uh you know the county or the municipality you're calling different surveyors that may have worked in the area to see what information that they may have that could help us you know solve this one um surveying is it's a science and an art yeah because you know, there are numbers that tell us what we're supposed to do but then sometimes you go that doesn't make sense that's not working yeah. Um, so there's definitely a little bit of an art to it as well. Well, thank you, Akkad. I feel like every time I hear you speak or talk to you, I learn a ton. Uh, so we really appreciate you taking the time to answer some of these leftover questions from the oh, webinar yeah. that we had. Um, if you are interested in seeing that webinar, we will uh, make sure to paste a link to the replay in our show notes and then information about how you can get in contact with Akkad or follow him uh, will be in the show notes as well. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you kind of wanted to, you know, bring up? The only other thing is, you know, I would say, you know, be patient with your surveyors. You know, we, the weather sometimes really plays a, a terrible part on us and, and that we do try to get everything done on time, but just sometimes we, it's just hard when it's, you know, constantly raining. Yeah, you don't control the weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you got to keep people safe, right? Yeah. Your, yeah, your crews yeah. need safety is very important. Plus, they're using metal equipment. <laughs> yeah, and Florida, people don't know, Florida is the, has the most lightning um, lightning storms in the world, they said. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, holding a metal rod during a lightning storm, not a good not idea. Not ideal, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Akkad. I really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. I thank you, you have, for having me. Yeah, of course. I hope you have um, an awesome rest of your day, and um, hopefully we'll chat soon. Yeah, awesome. You have a good one. To get all the resources we mentioned in this episode, visit the link to our show notes in the episode description or head to proplogics.com forward slash resource forward slash podcasts. Until next time, happy closings. <laughs>